Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. So grab your copy of God's Word. Go with me to, um, to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. You know, oftentimes when a preacher is planning to preach, he sometimes wonders when God sort of points him in a direction, God, who is this for? And turns out uh, it was for me. And so Proverbs chapter 18. We're going to look at the 21st verse here in just a moment. But when you think of the most powerful weapon in history, our mind probably goes back, to, particularly as Americans, to 1945 when we dropped two nuclear bombs there in Japan. August 1945, the first nuclear bomb was nicknamed Little Boy. It was detonated over the city of Hiroshima with the blast power of, listen to this, 15 kilotons of TNT. That's 20,000 tons of TNT. Three days later... The second bomb, nicknamed Fat Man, was detonated over Nagasaki with a blast power of not 15 kilotons, but of 20 kilotons of TNT. This was the most powerful weapon ever used in warfare. And as history uh, tells us, Japan announced their surrender just six days later. They're like, that's enough. But as powerful as those weapons were, and we've seen pictures and the devastation and all the things that came with that, they are not listed as the most powerful weapon Ever detonated. That title belongs to a Soviet bomb named Tsar Bomba. Tsar Bomba. Translated from Russian into English, that means king bomb. And this one was the king of bombs. Although it was never used in war, it was detonated in October of 1961 at a test site on this deserted island called Novoya Zemlya off the northern coast of Russia. And while the fat man bomb that exploded over Nagasaki was 20 kilotons of power, like way more than enough, Tsar Bomba detonated with the blast power of 57 megatons, not kilotons, megatons. Kilotons is a thousand, megatons is a million, 57 million tons of TNT, basically. That's almost 3,000 times more powerful than the bomb that we dropped on Nagasaki. Its fireball was almost five miles in diameter. The mushroom cloud went 42 miles into the sky. That's seven times higher than Mount Everest. The mushroom cloud itself, the, the, the wide part of it, as it mushroomed out, went 59 miles. And its base was over 25 miles wide. The Soviet district's Hundreds of miles away from the blast zone, they reported damage of all kinds. Houses collapsing, roofs falling in, damage to doors, windows shattering. And you might, you might be thinking, man, I don't want to be anywhere around anything that dangerous or that powerful. And I want to say to you, I mean, I don't either, man. Get me away from that sort of thing. It's scary to even think about. But this morning as we turn to God's Word, you and I need to realize that we all carry a very powerful weapon every single day with us. No, it, it, it's, it's not, it does not have the blast power of 57 megatons. 
But the Bible says this thing that you and I carry with us can give out an immensely powerful blast and even has the power of death. What is this thing that you and I carry around? Well, it's called the tongue. Now, as kids, we were taught to say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will what? Never hurt me. That's a lie. <laughs> that is not true. That's what we try to say so that we look stronger than we really are. We all know that that's not true. So someone wisely corrected that saying this way. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will break my heart. So the tongue is incredibly powerful. We've got to be careful with how we Use it. And so to gain insight this morning to our most powerful body part, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 18, look at verse 21. And I want to invite you to stand this morning to honor the reading of God's word. Just one verse today to help us understand and jump into insight from God's word about how to use this thing that God has given us for good. The word of God says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So let's pray together. Father, we've heard your word, and so help us now to understand it, and then help us to go live it, Lord. I pray that through today's preaching that we will be different, that we'll be challenged to live a way that is more godly than the way that we've lived even this past week, God. I want to pray for the person who's never turned and trusted Christ as well, Lord, if there's anybody here who's, who's not yet a Christian, then I pray that today would be the day that the Holy Spirit would clearly call them through the witness of this body of believers here and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the preaching of your word. Would you call them unto yourself? And today, I pray, would be the day that they would say yes to Jesus and be saved. Father, we rejoice in your goodness and mercy. Help us, Lord, to not be hearers only, but doers and lovers of your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So grab your seat there. As we think about our tongue today, I want you to realize three things this morning uh, from our text here. And the first one is this, is, is that my tongue has a powerful impact on others. My tongue and your tongue has powerful impact on others. That, that's not news to anybody, right? If you've lived it all, you have experienced that on both ends. You've seen it, have a, you've seen your tongue have a powerful impact on others, and you've seen other people's tongue have a powerful impact on you. But here's the thing that we seldom think about, is how powerful of an impact our tongue can have. That's why this proverb is so helpful this morning, is that it doesn't mince words. It, it doesn't downplay the power of the tongue. Notice what it says here in verse 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's how powerful, that's how serious this is. Live and die. Now, obviously, you can't physically give life or death with your tongue, but emotionally, spiritually, you certainly can. Just think about your own life. When you hear that word of encouragement from someone, what happens to you? It, it perks you up, right? You stand a little straighter. You walk a little prouder. You have energy to go forward. That's literally what the word encourage means. It means to infuse someone with courage to transfer energy and hope into someone so that you can move forward. 
Think of all the encouraging words that you have received over the years and the impact that those words had on you. When they spoke words of encouragement to you, they spoke life into you. They spoke energy and strength into you and transferred those things into you. That's why the Word of God says in Proverbs 16, 24, that gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. That's what godly words, gracious words, good words do to our surroundings. But the tongue can not only bring life, the Word of God says here that it can also bring death to others, such that Proverbs 12, 18 paints a different picture, right? If good words are like honey, they're sweet, they're health. Bad words, it says here. There is one whose rash words are like a sword thrusts. They're like sword thrusts. They're like someone, when someone speaks that word, it's like they are taking a sword and driving it right through your guts. That's what rash words do to people around us such that when we hear these words of discouragement from another person, it cuts the life out of us. It causes our countenance to drop. It causes our, our heart to drop. It causes our hope to drop. And sometimes it's to the point we just give up. Like on this project, I mean, just forget it. I'm not even going to try that anymore. Or maybe they even give up on life. Listen, words really Hurt, And you know how I know that they really hurt? It's because you never forget them. <laughs> I asked you a moment ago, think of all the encouraging words that you've heard over the years that have helped you along. And I bet if you could remember any, the list was really short. They just don't stick with us, right? But if I were to ask you, think of all of the times that words have hurt you. I bet that list would be quite long because we never forget them. We never forget them. That's because words leave scars, not physical star scars. Now, if you were to look at your body and my body, it's likely that you have physical scars. For instance, uh, I've got one right here on my hand uh, from 1998. Uh, I was a loader at Lowe's here in town that summer. And my job was to pick up heavy stuff and put it in people's cars, right? That was my job, all right? And somebody had bought a, a lawnmower, a, a push mower, and uh, they wanted it in the trunk of their car. It was still kind of folded down, and it would fit in the trunk of the car. But the way that I did it, the way that made sense to me so that I could get in there because it was just awkward, was to kind of put my hands under it like that instead of like that, picking up and to put under it and to lay in there so I could support myself as I put it in the car. And in the process of that the deck on that push mower sliced my hand all the way down from that finger to that thumb, and I was <laughs> bleeding everywhere, right? So I've got that scar. Or I, I could pull up my pants here, and I could show you um, and prove to you the fact that I used to live on a gravel road. <laughs> growing up, I have a church road where my mom and dad still live. It's blacktop now, but what, when I was growing up, that thing was gravel. One of my greatest joys as a kid was to see the road grader come through, right? Yeah, I was a redneck, but that's okay. <laughs> the road grader came through, and it would take care of our gravel road. And when it would do that, it's like, oh, man, i got to go ride my bicycle on this road. And I can't tell you how many times riding that bicycle, I would lose control in the gravel and go spill out and have 
scars all over my knees from riding bicycles there on that gravel road. Or if you were to look closely, I've got a scar right here. And you might be thinking, well, Pastor, did you get in a fight? <laughs> yeah, with a deer rifle. <laughs> I was hunting one day and I, I was pulled up and I go, oh, I've got this one, man. That is a shot. Kaboom. And all of a sudden, that scope came back and hit me right between the eyes. I was bleeding. And here was the bad part is that the deer wasn't. right. I totally missed the deer, but that scar is still with me. right? These are reminders of moments of physical pain in my life. But we don't just carry physical scars. We carry emotional scars. We, we carry spiritual scars. People can't see them, but they're there. They're, they're moments in a person's life when they experience emotional pain. And very often that pain was inflicted by words. Words hurt. I told you that, you know, sometimes as a preacher you wonder, who's this for? Well, I said, it's for me, as I was planning and praying and preparing this week, God laid it on my heart to speak to you guys about the power of the tongue. And then just yesterday, I saw this happen with one of my children. And sadly, the hurt came from me. We came home and Christy dropped uh, me and Sam and Elijah off at the house. And uh, I thought Elizabeth as well. And so we went in through the garage and we're getting ready to go in the house. But the door was locked. We don't usually lock the inside uh, door going into the house from the garage. We were locking it. And I thought Elizabeth had went in, but she had actually had went with Christy into town to pick up Nat. And so we're banging on the door. Sam and I, let us in, Elizabeth. And Sam was even uh, opening up the cat door. Elizabeth, let us in. You know? <laughs> and also, so finally after beating on the door forever, I'm like, well, maybe she just can't hear us. So let's go around to the front door. I'll just find the key that's hidden. Right, we, we got a key hidden. Well, the problem is somebody hit it real good, all right, because uh, I, I could not find it. So I'm beating on the door, Elizabeth, and I'm hitting the doorbell, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, pounding on the house. We're all of those things. And then one of the kids goes, hey, won't you just go around to the garage? And I said, don't you think I've already done that? And then I called him a name. And immediately I saw the impact of my words um, on his face. And um, I, I kind of, I recognized that at the moment and kind of apologized, but it, it ate at me all night. I didn't cuss him. I didn't use a, a, a quote unquote bad word, but I used a word that was discouraging. Um, it was hurtful. And that evening, uh, I, it was just eating at me. I pulled him aside and said, listen, uh, what I said to you was wrong. I should not have used that word. Um, you are not what I said, what I called you. Um, and I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, will you forgive me? And we had a moment of forgiveness and, and reconciliation. But it's so easy for us. We're so careless with this powerful thing that's right here. That before we know it, something's gone, right? We have burned, we have cut, we have hurt with this here. That's why we've got to be so careful and understand that our words, our tongue has a powerful impact on others. They hurt emotionally, even if they don't hurt physically. But here's the truth of the matter. You read stories all the time of where a word or a series of words to someone pushes them to even physical hurt, physically hurting themselves. I, I read of this tragic story of a teenage girl who began an online relationship with an admirer in cyberspace. This 
guy became her boyfriend, so to speak, in cyberspace. And turns out he broke up with her at some point. And he wrote these words. He said, the world would be a better place without you. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will break my heart. She took his words to heart. And soon after that, she took her own life. So we have to be very mindful that our tongues have a powerful impact on others. That's the first thing you need to realize about your tongue this morning. Here's the second thing, is that my tongue affects the outcome of my life. It's not just about how does my tongue affect them. How does my tongue affect me? Right? It affects me also. Look at Proverbs 18, 21 again. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Okay. But then it says this. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Love what? That they love the power of the tongue. They love to use words. And those who love to use words and the power of words, they will eat its fruits, whether it's good or whether it's bad. My tongue and your tongue are planting seeds every time it flops. And the good seeds, they will bear good fruit. And the bad seeds will bear bad fruit. Either way, I will be eating that fruit. It will return to me. Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Again, every time you're talking, you're planting seeds. And someday, guys, it's going to be harvest day. And the fruit of those seeds will return to you. Now, we often hear about the teaching of the golden rule in the Bible, right? Jesus says that. He teaches us in Luke chapter 6, I believe it is, the golden rule, which is treat others how you want to be treated. This is really important for us to help us, right? We've got to think before we speak. How will this impact them? Would I like to be talked to in this way? How would those words offend me? How would those words hurt me? How would those words encourage me, right? So we got to, we got to speak to other people the way we like to be spoken to. But that's not the only thing the Bible teaches us. Along with the golden rule, the Bible also teaches what we might call the golden return. The golden return, which is this. If the golden rule is treat others how you want to be treated, the golden return is others will likely treat you how you treat them. Let me say that again. Here's the golden, re uh, the golden return. Others will likely treat you how you treat them. In other words, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. If I have a harsh word for someone, if that's the nature that I come with them, then guess what? People will likely be harsh back to me. On the same token, if I'm kind to people, then guess what? And don't be surprised if people are kind back to you. If I'm encouraging, people will likely be encouraging back to me. But if I'm sarcastic with other people, then most likely people are going to be sarcastic back 
with me. Others will often treat you how you treat them. That's the golden return. And so my tongue just doesn't impact others. It, in fact, it, it, it affects the outcome of my life. It impacts my life also. Proverbs 13.3 says this, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. One of the skit shows on TV used to have this ongoing skit called When Keeping It Real Goes Wrong. <laughs> Keeping it real, it means just saying it like it is, right? No filter. Just going to get out there. You're going to put somebody in their place. I'm going to keep it real here. And the whole premise of those skits was, <laughs> was how, in a funny way, how so many times keeping it real comes back to bite you, right? Keeping it real oftentimes end up uh, with your hind end getting kicked <laughs> and your life ruined. You see, guys, it's best sometimes to keep your mouth shut. Sometimes our tongues write checks that our life really doesn't want to cash. Proverbs 10, 19 helps us to understand this. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. In other words, there is a direct correlation with the amount of words that you say and the likelihood that you're going to sin. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. How you use your tongue will affect the outcome of your own life, not just, the, not just the life of others, but your own life. That's the second thing you need to realize about your tongue this morning. And here's the final thing I want to point you to is this. My tongue is tough to tame. My tongue is tough to tame. I don't know about yours. I bet that would be the testimony of all of us, right? The book of James says it this way. Verses 1 through 6 in chapter 3 it concurs here with the book of Proverbs. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts great things. How great a forest is set ablaze, lest there's a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, straining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. So right here, James is concurring with the book of Proverbs. I mean, James is essentially the New Testament Proverbs, essentially. And here he's concurring, he's agreeing with the Old Testament Proverbs that although the tongue is small, it makes a big impact. Just like that bit in the bridle of the horse. The bit's really small, yet by that bit and the bridle, you get to control that whole horse. Or the rudder of that ship. Compared to the ship, the rudder is very small, right there in the back, swiveling back and forth. And by that small rudder, the whole ship is steered. Or even like that small fire. It only takes a spark 
to set an entire forest ablaze. But then James goes a step further here to point out that although the tongue is small, <laughs> and you would think, man, oh, it's just little bitty, like I can handle that. <laughs> no, no, no. He says it is so tough to tame. Look at 7 through 10. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the image and likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Think about all the animals that, that human beings have tamed. You know, you go to the circus. You see bears riding bicycles and, and, and walking on balls. And you see, you see lions with people sticking their heads in the lion's mouth. And you see elephants that are doing tricks and all of these things. They have been tamed. Even killer whales, right? I mean, you think of the, the largest animal that has been tamed. I mean, the killer whale, we were able to go in 2019 to SeaWorld and and see the orca, the killer whale show there. And those things are doing amazing jumps and flips and interactions with human beings. They have been tamed. Yet the Bible says this little bitty muscle right here in our mouth is even harder to tame than a killer whale. You see, we have a killer tongue if we're not careful. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And don't miss this. No human being can tame it. Am not able. I am not able to tame it. Not will not. Cannot tame it. This brings me to our actual takeaway for today about our tongue. We've learned those three things about our tongue. If, as the Bible says, that my tongue has a powerful impact on others, and if, as the Bible says, my tongue affects the outcome of my life, and if, as the Bible says, my tongue is tough to tame, then here's the final thing you need to know about your tongue and my tongue, and it's today's takeaway. My tongue must come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. I can't tame it. You can't tame it. But guess what? Jesus can. By the power of God through the Holy Spirit, you can tame your tongue. And the first way that that comes about is by getting a new heart. Listen, if you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, if you've never turned from sin and trusted Jesus, you never asked the Lord Jesus to save you, and he's never come into your life, then guess what? You have a bad heart, the Bible says. And the Bible says that you'll never be able to control your tongue. You'll never be able to, 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 to tame that tongue until you get a heart transplant. Because Jesus says in Luke 6 that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so you got to get a heart change before you can ever begin to really get a handle on this tongue. If you're here today and you never turned from sin and trusted Jesus, I just want to encourage you this morning. Today is the perfect day. 
because it's today. You are a sinner in need of a Savior. Just your words alone condemn you. We, we won't even go into the other things that you've done. Your words alone condemn you. Yet Jesus Christ came to live, die, and rise again that you could be saved from the sin of your tongue and from all your other sins. Will you today turn from sin and trust in Jesus? Admit to God that you're a sinner. Let God know that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God sent to live, die, and rise again to save you from your sins and then confess to the Lord and request the Lord to save you. Confess that Jesus is Lord and ask the Lord to save you. And if you'll do that, then guess what? You are on your way then to getting control of your tongue, your tongue coming to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But perhaps I'm talking to folks who are all saved today. So what do we do then? <laughs> What's up with that? Right? Well, we've got to become sanctified with our tongue, right? We say Jesus is our Lord, then we've got to live under the Lordship of Jesus. When you signed up, when you said yes to Jesus, he got all of your life. He didn't get part of it. You didn't compartmentalize that thing and say, all right, Lord, you can have my feet, but you can't have my tongue. Uh, Lord, you can have my finances, but you can't have my words. Uh, Lord, you can have my Sundays, but you can't have what I say on Fridays. We don't compartmentalize like that. It's, God gets all of it. He's Lord of it all. And so even in this area right here, our tongues have to come under the lordship of Jesus. Because here's the deal. Jesus said that we will be judged by God for every word that we utter. Every word. Every flippant word. Every ugly word. Every good word, right? Both good and bad. So you and I have to work to become sanctified and to bring our tongue under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so in my time remaining here, as we talk about coming under the lordship of Jesus Christ with our tongue, the scripture here in James says that with the same tongue, we bless and we curse. And so I want to put those two up there. I was reading and studying and I ran across this acrostic here from Debbie Wilson, spelling out what does it mean to have a tongue that blesses and what does it mean to have a tongue that curses. Again, I'm not talking about cuss words. I mean, cuss words are certainly what we're, I mean, that, that's within what we're talking about. But I'm talking about words that bring discouragement to others as well. So we want to just kind of compare here and we want to we put on these attributes of having a tongue of blessing and we want to put off, we want to get rid of these attributes of a tongue that is a curse. So each one we'll kind of compare here. The B, let's look at this. The B in bless is building. Over and over again, the Bible tells you and me to build up one another with our words, to help people grow, to help them be better. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't ever say anything negative. Right? Building doesn't mean that you can't ever see something critical. But how you say it makes all the difference in the world. Even the things where a person is struggling or, or they're falling short, like we got to find a way to say this in a way that builds them up. If you want to bless people, if you want to have a tongue of blessing, then you got to find a way to use your words in a way that builds people up. But here's what we got to put off then on the curse side. We have to put off condemning language. Now, right now, all over the city of Bowling Green, you can see, 
construction going up, being built up. And you can see houses that are condemned. They're being torn down. Like right now on, on Nutwood and on Magnolia, right there near our East Campus, you can drive by and you can see houses that are nothing but the foundation. And there was a house there before and even after the tornado, but they've been condemned. Here's what condemned says. Condemned says, you are worthless. There's no hope for you. We've got to get rid of words that communicate that kind of thing to people. The L, let's move over to the L, back to bless here. If we're going to have a tongue of blessing, then we've got to have words that are loving. The Bible says to speak the truth in what, church? In love. Speak the truth in love. So we have to find a way to say loving things to people. And again, treating others how we want to be treated really helps us along the way to help people because we love to be loved. We love to be shown affection and words that show uh, that we care. And on the other side, if you have a tongue of cursing, here's what we got to put off. we got to put off unloving language. God is love. And therefore, we are to love one another as we strive for godliness. How about the E in bless as we walk down through here? The E in bless would be encouraging. Encouraging words. If we're going to have a tongue of blessing, we need to be encouraging with our words. As I said a moment ago or earlier, um, the word encourage literally means to infuse or to transfer life and courage, energy to someone else. Over and over again, we are told in Scripture to encourage one another. And here's what we've got to put off. The R in curse is ridiculing. Tearing people down, making fun of people, mocking people. Being the type of person who always sees the bad thing, the thing that's out of place, the thing that needs fixing, the thing where they fell short. That kind of, that kind of critical spirit that gets put into words is a ridiculing spirit. We got to get rid of that. That's a curse. Let's move back over to bless. The S, the first S in bless is soothing. We want our words to soothe people. Just like, just like when there's an open wound, we take a, a salve or a balm and put on an ointment to put on that sore that it might be healed, that it might soothe the pain and to help the healing process. That's what our words are to do. And here's what we got to put off. we got to put off sharp words over on curse there. The S in curse is sharp. Sharp words. Listen, some of us in this room, you are like a master chef when it comes to slicing and dicing. You are like a samurai. Let's go over another level, right? You are like a samurai. You can take your word and you can slice and dice people up. You're really sharp with your words. But remember, words that are unrighteous are like a sword thrust. And that's what's happening there, is you are injuring, harming, hurting those around you. And you are a curse to them when you are sharp with your words. Here's the final S over in bless. And that is spirit-filled, right? We said a moment ago, no man can tame his tongue. Therefore, if you want to be a blessing with your tongue, then you must be spirit-filled, spirit-controlled, spirit-influenced, as opposed to being over on the other side. The E in curse is evil, right? The Bible says that your flesh, there is nothing good in your flesh. 
Your flesh is sin-ridden, and it will lead you to wickedness every time left to itself. And so we've got to put off evil and flesh control and come under the spirit control here. So I wonder right here as we look down this list, you see that blessed category, that blessed column, and you see that curse column. Which one best typifies your use of your tongue? Would you say, I am more of a blessing or am I more of a curse? And as you think about that, you might say, no, 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 Ben, listen, I, I'm more of a blessing, but I have my moments. And that may be the, major, that may the, may be the majority of us in here, right? I, I'm primarily a blessing with my tongue, but I have my moments like I had yesterday. So here's the question then. Looking on that right column there, the, the, the curse column, do any of those words characterize a recent interaction with someone in your life. Your words have been condemning, unloving, ridiculing, sharp, or evil. If so, then you've got some work to do. Because the truth of the matter is, you sinned against God when you used your tongue in a way that God said, don't do that. I didn't give your tongue for that. And then you've got some work to do horizontally. Because you hurt someone with those words. And so you need to get right with God. And you need to get right with that person. You need to go to that person and say, I'm sorry. When I said that the other day, um, I hurt you. And I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? We will not be perfect with our tongues. But by the grace of God. We can heal when our tongues do that which they were not designed to do. I pray as you look at your life, even this week, that we will all be in that blessed column. And here, here's my final prayer as the praise team comes. May your tongue pour forth. Just think of your mouth as a fountain. May your tongue pour forth life for the glory of God and the good of man. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. 
God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to be your savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live and he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us, and I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.